You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Uh, grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number five this morning, if you would. Uh, we're continuing our series entitled Alive Together. We're just going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. If you missed any of the message so far, you can always uh, at huikala.org. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. We also have a Huikala app you can download to your phone, smartphone or your tablet. Uh, follow along that way. Uh, we also have a SoundCloud channel if you want to do that. Uh, whatever you need to do to get caught up, do that. Uh, this is message number 42 in this series. Again, we've just been going verse by verse uh, through every uh, passage of the book of Ephesians. Uh, you can get caught up that way. Today's message is kind of a continuation, a kind of a part two from last week's message as we took a look at why Christians sing, uh, why is music so important to us as Christians. Uh, we'll take a look at the second part of that today. So if you missed last week, you can get caught up uh, online for that. Ephesians chapter five, we're gonna start uh, in, let's say verse number 15 this morning. Ephesians chapter five, verse number 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That kind of gives us the context of where we're going to jump out uh, from here today. Uh, the Bible tells us that we as Christians should walk as wise. Uh, we need to pay really close attention to the way that we live our lives, that we walk in wisdom. Verse number 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise. Again, there's a challenge. You need to be wise and don't be unwise. Another word for unwise would be foolish. So uh, make sure that when you live your life, you live and in, in walk in wisdom and that you're not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse number 19 is where we're gonna spend our time uh, today. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for the th all of the things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Music is an integral part of our lives. Uh, many people in this room might play music or sing music. Uh, most people in the room probably enjoy listening to music. Uh, no, no quicker way for the day to go by than to listen to music. Uh, music has an impact on our lives. Uh, we uh, sometimes will hear a song. Uh, sometimes I'll be in a store and I'll hear a song that I remember hearing when I was in high school. Uh, I'll hear a song that I remember listening to when my wife and I were dating. I'll hear a song that takes me back to, uh, man, uh, that when I freshly gotten out of boot camp was able to listen to music again. Uh, just you hear things and you automatically takes you back to a place. Uh, music is woven into uh, who we are as a person. Uh, does anybody here in this room would say, uh, I love music, I listen to it all the time, music is my thing. That's you raise your hand this morning. How many of you say music, I could take it or leave it, doesn't really matter to me? Anybody like that? One, two, three, four. Four people in all the room, right? Just, I, could, I could take or leave, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, music does something to our hearts. Uh, music does something to our lives. Uh, and we're gonna take a look at that uh, this morning. The first thing as we jump off here today, music influences us whether we believe it or not. Uh, music has uh, the uh, effect on us in one way or another. Uh, music has the ability to draw our hearts closer to uh, God. Music has the ability to draw our hearts closer to the things of this world. Uh, music has the ability to draw our hearts closer to our spouse. Uh, music uh, has an influence on us in one way or another. So it's important to understand that if music can influence us, that we need to be kind of careful as far as what we allow to influence us and how. Now, we as Christians should be influenced so that our hearts could be drawn closer to the Lord. Uh, the Bible says that when we met Jesus Christ, that, that God has put a new song in our heart. Uh, that the things that used to captivate our attention shouldn't captivate our attentions anymore because we're different now. You see, when we were born into this world, the Bible says we were born as enemies of God. We were born as children of disobedience, the Bible says. Uh, Jesus went so far as to say this, that he told the Pharisees, you're of your father, the devil. So we're not born automatically children of God. We're all automatically born children of this world, children of wrath, children of disobedience, the Bible says. And because we were born into this world, we were born of this world, our hearts are drawn towards the things of this world automatically by default. 
Uh, my daughter, Tallulah, I have, I have four children. Uh, Tallulah is 18 months old. Makila is 10 years old. Uh, Vanderlei is 17 years old. And Thatcher is, turns 25 next month. It's just, my life is crazy. You just say that. My 18-month-old daughter, nobody had to teach her how to dance. She hears music, and she just automatically starts dancing. Uh, she has not yet figured out the concept that when you spin around in a circle too much, you get dizzy, and it's a blast to watch. Because uh, you, you get around, and you go, go to Lula, go Lula, go, and you start clapping, and she just starts turning circles. She's going like this, turning circles. I know I, I, know I have the moves, right? Uh, she just turning circles. And the problem is she keeps going. Even when, when you stop chanting for her and stop singing for her, she still keeps going until she can't stand up and she falls over. Why? Because even at 18 months old, we're influenced by a beat. We're influenced by music. We're influenced to do something with the feelings that we have. Now, mind you, we're born at odds with God and the music of this world. This is going to sound crazy to you if you're, if you're not uh, a believer the music of this world is meant to draw our hearts towards the things of this world. I know that sounds crazy to you. I know you might think that, I, that, that I'm sitting at home with a tinfoil hat making sure that the government isn't reading my brainwaves. I promise you that I'm not. But I'm telling you this. I promise you I'm not. I have some crazy conspiracy theories that I'll share with you if you ever really want to know. Uh, but I, I'm not a weirdo, okay? Uh, why is that funny? Why is that funny? You don't believe me. Okay, I'm a little bit weird. Will you give me that? Just a little bit. I'm not like over the edge weird. Okay. Um, I forgot what I was, you guys are so bad. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the things of this world are programmed to draw our hearts towards the things of this world. You don't believe me, just flip on the television. Uh, my, my daughter, McKeeley, uh, she was, we, we were somewhere. Uh, we were in a hotel. We were saying she was watching TV. She was flipping through channels. She was like, what are all these things that interrupt your shows to try to sell you stuff? And I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, like every 10 minutes, just when something good's happening, they come on and they're like, buy this, it'll clean your shower better. She's like, what is this stuff? And I was just like, are you talking about commercials? And she goes, what are commercials? What? And she, then I realized she's used to Netflix where you just push a button and you watch what you want. And when it's over, you just push the next thing. Commercials were a, a crazy thought to her. But I found by the end of the day, after watching probably two or three hours of, uh, of TV, she had a, a list that she was making of all the toys that she wanted to buy. <laughs> She's never seen these before. Uh, and they look like so much fun. And she wants to buy all these things because the kids on TV are having fun. And now she wants them. That's just one way that this world programs us to want the things that we don't have. Just the things we see on TV, not to mention the things we see other people have or the things that the world tells us that we want. Uh, I mean, I never thought that I would see the day in my lifetime where people stand in line waiting to buy a cell phone the day that it opens. I, I never thought I'd see that. I never thought, this is a crazy thing, I never thought I'd see in my life. To see grown men camped out of Best Buy with tents for days on end for a new video game release. Adult men, mind you. I never thought that I would see that. But our heart just wants what our heart wants. And the world influences us to want the things of this world. And our hearts are prone to that because we are at our birth born into this world to crave and desire the things of this world. Now that turns into a very, very unhealthy desire as we get older in life. And so we, we really want sometimes to try to change the desires that we have you know, I try to change my desire when I pull up to uh, Panda Express. I really, really want the orange chicken, the double entree with the rice, and I want uh, lots of fortune cookies and things like that. I want those things, but I know that I shouldn't have those things. So I'll get Panda Express for my, my boys, and then I'll go to Subway for myself because I know that's what I'm supposed to do, right? But my heart wants what it wants. We're born with a propensity to want what our hearts want, and I'm not talking about orange chicken. I'm talking about the things of this world. Our hearts crave it. And the only way to overcome this is not to try better. It's not to do more. It's not to uh, try to set guidelines or boundaries in your life to make sure that you don't cross these boundaries. Those things might be helpful. But we need to be changed from the inside out. We need a, a resolution for our number one problem that we have. And our number one problem that we have is a sin problem. The Bible says we're born at odds with God. We have sinned against God. We've broken God's law. Not just a couple people in the room. Everybody in the room without fail has broken God's law. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You and I have sinned against the holy God and because of that we are found guilty before God. Here's how it's gonna work out. When you and I die, 
barring any outside intervention, the Bible stand, says it's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. Every single person in this room will stand before God when you die. That's a fact, no getting around that. And barring any outside intervention, God's going to uh, pull up a list of all the wrong things you've done and you'll be judged for those things. The Bible says every man will be judged according to his works. That's a terrifying thought if you're anything like me. If I have to stand before a holy God and answer for every wrong thing I've ever done, I'm toast. I'm, I'm in serious trouble. And the Bible says that our consequences have been predetermined. How this thing plays out is already written. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Because of my sin against the holy God, because of my propensity to sin, because I crave the things of this world and I've broken God's law, the Bible says I'm going to die, not physically, but I'm gonna die spiritually for eternity. The Bible says that God has prepared a place for those who reject him, who have broken his law, and that place is called hell. When you and I die, the penalty that we must pay for our sin is death in hell for all of eternity. That's the acceptable payment. But there's one other way. The Bible says God loves you too much to allow you to go to hell without providing another option. The Bible says, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, I was supposed to die. I was supposed to endure the punishment for my sin, but Jesus died in my place. God sent Jesus for the sole purpose of dying for my sin and dying for yours so that we don't have to go to hell, so we don't have to be separated from God for all of eternity, so that we can be forgiven. But you have to make a choice for yourself. Every person must make a decision for themselves. I wish I could make the decision for you. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. What will you do with Jesus' forgiveness? You can reject it if you want to and stiff arm it and say, I don't believe that. I'm not buying that. Hey, if I've done anything wrong, I'll pay for it on my own and you're welcome to do that. But for those who would say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I need forgiveness from God for all that I've done wrong. The Bible says if we be willing to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we can be saved. That's a beautiful Bible word. Saved from my sin. Saved from God's punishment. Saved from eternal wrath. Saved to eternal life. Saved to God's family. And you and I can become children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and there's been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, friend, I've got great news for you. You're a child of God and there is no condemnation for you, the Bible says. You're going to heaven when you die because Jesus has saved you and forgiven you. Friend, if you're here today and there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, Jesus says this, no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That's a big deal. Because of the wrong that you've done, because of your sin, there's a death sentence on your head and the only way that can, it can be paid is you or Jesus can pay the price totally up to you. But every person must make a decision. But here's the great thing that happens when we make a choice to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. The Bible says that God gives us a new heart. God changes our desires. It's not overnight. I wish that it was. I accepted Christ as Savior when I was nine years old. And I remember that moment sitting in my, my bedroom. I realized all the wrong I'd ever done in my entire life had just been forgiven by Jesus and I didn't want to move. <laughs> because I, I thought, the second that I would get up and walk out of my room, I'm going to say something unkind to my brother. I'm going to disobey my parents and I just want to sit here for a minute enjoying the fact that I am completely forgiven. But it doesn't work that way because we're going to sin. We're going to make mistakes. And faith in Christ is not a, a, a decision that I'm making that I'll never sin again make a decision that I'm making that Jesus has paid all of my sin. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Now my life is a a life of worship from what Jesus has done for me. And Jesus has given me new desires, a desire to honor and please him. Jesus has given me a new song, songs that I used to think were corny or lame or silly even. God's given me a desire for those things because my heart has changed. You see, when it comes to music, music influences our behavior. I don't take time to read every uh, Bible verse that we have in this passage, but Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai to hear from God and to receive the Ten Commandments. And when he came back down, they were having a party. 
They were worshiping a false god, and they were dancing. And, and when uh, Moses came down off of the, the mountain, they said it sounded like the noise of war in the camp from this music that was playing, and people were dancing around this golden calf. Because music will influence our behavior. Music affects my spirit. I, um, Angela and I made a decision probably uh, 20 years ago to start walking with Jesus and to make changes in our lives that would honor and please him. Again, it wasn't overnight changes that we made to, to begin to walk with the Lord. Uh, but one of the decisions I made probably about 18 years ago was to listen to music that would feed my spirit. Uh, again, I love music. My dad, uh, I remember uh, as a kid, my dad had this big, huge stereo. Uh, how many of you remember the, the, uh, the stereos that used to have a big cabinet, you know, and all the different things were in the cabinet, and beside it were two huge speakers that were like five feet tall beside the speakers and stuff like that, and you had the big volume knob that you turned up, and you had the meters that would go and stuff like that. Some of you said, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I remember it like it was yesterday. My dad's receiver with a big silver knob on it. it had an eight-track player in it. I had a, a turntable on the top. And I'll never forget, as long as I live, my very first album that I bought as a kid was not the Gaither Band. It was not Christian music. It was Prince's Purple Rain. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Fast forward about 20 years later and I start listening to the Purple Rain album and you know the question I ask myself, where were my parents? <laughs> Who on earth would let their five-year-old listen to this music? What were they thinking? My soul. Like, I'm embarrassed to listen to it as an adult. I think, where were my parents at? But I remember that. Uh, I rem remember uh, listening to, to, to music from that soundtrack. I remember, you know, uh, we would go to, the, go to Walmart, and I would look through all the, the, the records that they had there and stuff like that. I remember my teenage years, the music that I would listen to and uh, things along those lines. Um, I told you last week, I'm not, a, a, I'm not happy to admit it, but when my wife and I started dating, I had an R&B uh, phase for a little while that I listened to a lot of, like, R&B music and stuff like that. But music takes me back, and music affected my heart. And it got to a point in my life where I began to pursue Christ, and I began to say, I don't want the things of the world anymore. I want the things of God. And I've had to make some changes to the music that I listen to. Uh, as, a, as a single guy, man, every single payday, I would go to the mall and I would buy CDs. This again shows you how old I am. Uh, I would go to, to the store uh, and I, I would look through the CD rack and I would buy things. And uh, when we moved here to Hawaii in 99, uh, there used to be a Tower Record uh, in Pearl City across from Pearl Ridge Mall. And I used to go to Tower Records because they had an import section where they got CDs from overseas. And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. And I would drop probably 100 to $150 every single payday on music because I love music. I amassed a, a CD collection of probably, uh, I don't know, probably four or 5,000 CDs. I mean, just, I mean, you think about the money of that, uh, lots of money. And one night, we'd heard some good Bible preaching. had nothing to do with music whatsoever, but it was about pursuing Christ. And I thought to myself, my music that is drawing my heart away from the things of the Lord it's influencing my spirit in a negative way, and I just don't want that anymore. It became a weight on me that I wanted to get rid of. And I went out to the, uh, uh, went to my room and got all my CDs out. Uh, Angela and I were married at the time, uh, and, I, and I filled up our, our bin that we had outside with all my CDs. And Angela was like, we could put, the, we could have, <laughs> this is back before Craigslist was a thing, we could have a yard sale and sell all of these. And I said, I don't want anybody else to have these. I just want, to pursue Christ. There's a Christian bookstore over in the, uh, uh, where the Sam's Club is in Pearl City. Now, there used to be a Christian bookstore there. Uh, I went there and I bought 10 Christian CDs. And I began to listen to them. And I thought, this is the worst music I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> ever. And then, this is how dumb I am. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I used to enjoy listening to uh, Tupac and Dr. Dre. Maybe I'll get some Christian rap and listen to that. The worst music ever known to man it's probably Christian rap, okay? It's just bad. It's bad rap. It's bad. It's just bad all the way around, you know? Uh, and so I, I thought to myself, I, I, mm, I'm frustrated by this. I want something that's like the music that I listen to, but maybe has Christian-ish words. And God didn't want to change the words that I listened to. God wanted to change my heart. And music affects your spirit. And so I, I began to listen to good Christian music, and I be, God gave me a love for good Christian music. And to this day, 99% of the music that I listen to is Christian music because it does something to my spirit. 
what I found was I used to listen, enjoy listening to, to like hard rock music when I would go to the gym. It gets me fired up, gets me pumped up, uh, stuff like that. You can throw weight, pick up heavy stuff, and I used to listen to that. And what I found, though, was that I get pumped up at the gym and I lift heavy stuff, but my, my anger and frustration didn't stop when I left the gym. I brought it home with me. I walk in the front door, and my wife's like, how's your workout? It was fine. What's your problem? <laughs> Dial it back. Why? Because music affects us on a spiritual level. Some of you just woke up, right? <laughs> Welcome. You're still at church. We haven't even really gotten started in the message today, so you haven't missed anything. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but music affects our spirit. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I shot a video of, of my kids and put it to music, and you'll kind of see what it is. Uh, we have those, have those videos. Here's the first one with no music. Uh, my, my boys, uh, this is probably five years ago. It's sweet uh, to see my boys. There you go, video, right? Now, we set it to music, it takes on a little bit of a different personality to it, right? Video two. <laughs> exact same video, different music. Now, different music to, to this one as well. And then we have one, one final one, I think. This, this one's a lot of fun. <laughs> we just watched the exact same video five times, and all five times we found something different, right? What was the, the only variable that changed was music. Music is meant to make our heart feel something. You can't get around that. So you and I need to be very careful with what we allow into our heart because music has the potential to harden our hearts and weaken our faith if we're not careful. Hey, I'm telling you, if you have a steady diet of music that draws your heart towards the things of this world, it will kill your faith with a quickness. I always get a, a kick out of... Uh, just listen to the radio and see who's going to be at Aloha Stadium and who's playing at different clubs in town and stuff like that. And in a few months ago, uh, Eminem was playing at Aloha Stadium. I thought to myself, Eminem's got to be like in his mid-40s, right? Who wants to see a white guy in his mid-40s rap stuff that was funny 20 years ago? I thought to myself, this is crazy. And I'm telling you this, if, you're, if your musical diet is a steady uh, diet of M&M and 50 Cent and, and garbage like that, your heart's going to be in a different direction. Uh, if your, your diet is a, a steady diet of, of Taylor Swift and Kanye West and all this other nonsense that's out there today, uh, then that's where your heart is going to go. I need to be careful with the music that I allow into my heart. You say, oh, pastor, it's just fun stuff to sing along to. Oh, pastor, it's just, it's entertaining. Hey, be careful with that because everything has an effect on our heart. It all comes back to a heart issue. Here's the thing, God loves music. God designed music. God enjoys music. Now, God receives worship through music. Probably the first 30 to 35 minutes of every single one of our services that we gather together, we sing. Uh, why? Because God receives worship through music. The Christian faith is unique than probably any other faith on the planet because uh, I don't know, I don't know a lot about the other world religions, but I've never heard a Buddhist song sung before. I don't know what it would sound like if, if they, they have Buddhist songs that they sing uh, to Buddha. I wouldn't know what it would sound like. 
I don't know that Muslims have a song that they sing in worship to their God, Allah. I don't, I don't know what it would sound like if they did. I don't know if they have a call to prayer that they have and things like that, but I don't know that they sing songs of worship unto uh, to that. If, if my God is myself, do I sing songs to myself about how great I am? I don't understand that. But there's never been a, a person in the world that more songs were written about than our God because he receives worship through that. Again, we took a look at last week, the definition of, of praise versus worship. Praise is uh, thanking God for all that he's done for us. Worship is a recognition of his awesome and his majesty. Uh, and we worship God by recognizing who he is in relation to who we are. God draws us closer to him through the music that we listen to. Think of Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas had uh, gone to jail uh, for preaching the gospel when they laid many stripes upon them. They cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Paul and Silas thrown in jail and beaten. What do they do? They start singing. And if you know the story of what happened with Paul and Silas, while they're in jail, while they're singing, the doors fling open and the jailer almost killed himself because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. And Paul said, hey, we haven't gone anywhere. Nobody's left. You don't have to kill yourself. And the man asked him, what do I have to do to be saved? And this man was saved along with his entire house. Why? Because of the testimony of Paul and Silas and their singing praise unto God. God draws our heart closer to him through the music that we sing and the music that we listen to. Music was created for God's pleasure. Psalm 43, and he hath put a new song in my mouth and praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Music is a gift from God. Man, listen to as much as you can. Again, if we were talking 10, 15 years ago, I'd tell you, hey, we've got some good CDs in the back that you can buy. They're, they're, they're $10 each. Things like, hey, we got, we got YouTube, we got Pandora, we got Spotify. Uh, good Christian worship music is all around us. We just have to uh, make an attempt to listen to it and be intentional uh, with that. Uh, I threw a challenge down last week. Hey, uh, if you're not listening to good worship music right now, take the next seven days and listen to nothing but worship music and see what it does to your heart, see what it does to your spirit. It's very difficult when I'm uh, sitting in traffic and uh, I'm listening to, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. And some knucklehead cuts me off to get angry with that guy because of the song that I'm singing doesn't match the feelings that I have. And so I'm telling you this, if you want to change your life, change the soundtrack of your life. That's a very easy thing to do. But if we're not careful, and this has happened in my own life, music can become an idol. Uh, that it becomes, a, the music itself becomes an object of worship as opposed to God himself. We need to be careful that we never let any type of idolatry in our life, and sometimes even good things can become idols in our lives. This happens when the music that I listen to comforts my heart instead of the Holy Spirit comforting my heart. Before I met my wife, I had... Uh, dated about uh, a dozen of the wrong girls, and every single time I went through a bad breakup, there was always music there to tell me how I felt, right? Uh, I grew up uh, in Kentucky, and I'm telling you this, every country song uh, in the world is about getting dumped by the person that you care about, I think, or your dog died, or your pickup truck got stuck in the mud, or something like that, right? You can always find a song that identifies with where you're at, and oftentimes we turn to music to comfort us. I, I have to say in my earlier days of, uh, of adulthood, I would run to music instead of running to the Lord for comfort and strength during those times. I would find a song that, that communicated what I was feeling. John 14, 6, Jesus says this, pray and I'll give you the comfort. The Father will give you another comforter. He may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit's given to us to comfort. Oftentimes we find validation in music instead of God's word. If I want to find my validation, I'm going to find it from the Word of God, not popular music today. Again, you can find a song that will tell you anything that you want is doing okay. Uh, songs out there that, hey, if you're not uh, happy uh, with the person that you're with, find somebody that makes you happy. And that, again, uh, draws my heart towards the things of this world instead. And I find music to validate my feelings and emotions instead of finding my validation in God's Word. Uh, music gives me direction instead of allowing God to give me direction. 
Again, this is what happens when music becomes an idol for me and I'm driven by the music that I listen to or the things that I see in this world or the entertainment uh, that I uh, allow to infiltrate my life and my heart. God says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go and I will guide thee with mine eye. God promises to give us the direction that we need. But at the end of the day, music is really a heart issue. Music affects our heart. It changes the way that we feel. It draws our heart either closer to God or repels our heart away from God. And so music at the end of the day really is a heart issue. Hey, show me your playlist and I'll tell you where your heart's at. Hey, show me your check register. I'll show you where your heart's at. Show me where you spend your time on a daily basis. Just block out your time on how you spend it on a calendar. I'll show you where your heart is. These are indications of where my heart is. Again, you can't tell me somebody who doesn't give to the Lord at all or doesn't tithe the way that they should. You have a person who doesn't spend time with God in the word every single day. Somebody who doesn't put a priority on the things of God, church attendance, being around other Christians, spending time in community with other Christians, and listening to garbage music of this world, and watching garbage music and tele- or gar- garbage movies and television shows. You can't tell me that person has a heart for God. It just doesn't add up. You just can't. You can't convince me. But you show me a person who places great importance upon the things of the Lord, their life will reflect it in every area of their life. Why? Because it's about the heart. That's why the Bible says, keep that heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. You see, my life becomes a product of my heart and what I've put into it. Just know this, whatever you put in your heart is going to come out eventually. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That the words that I say are just a window into what's already taking place in my heart. And if the Bible says in Proverbs that I should keep my heart, that word keep means to protect it with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life, I need to be very, very careful with what goes into my heart. And here's the thing. There's only two entrances that you have into your heart. That's what you see with your eyes and what you hear with your ears. That automatically goes to your heart. And I've met Christians before who say, oh, I can listen to music like this, and it doesn't affect me. You can't. You're not that good, I promise you. Well, I can watch TV shows like this and the nudity doesn't bother me and the foul language doesn't bother me. Hey, if you're so desensitized to sin that it doesn't bother you, you really need to check your heart. I'm I'm grieved at Christians who watch television shows that are dishonoring to the Lord. uh, It's been a glorious thing. I haven't been uh, on Facebook, actually looked at my Facebook feed. I have to do some stuff with the church Facebook, and I don't enjoy that. But I haven't been on my personal Facebook feed in probably four months, and it has been a glorious four months. I have no idea what anybody's doing, and I really don't care. And people say, hey, did you see on Facebook? No, just stop right there. I didn't see it, and it was awesome that I didn't see it. But back when I used to look at Facebook, I would see Christians who were posting about, oh, I can't wait for a new season of Game of Thrones. I can't, I'm so excited about that. Hey, I don't know a lot about that show because I've never seen an episode of it and I'm a better person for that. But know this, I'm a better person because I haven't seen that. I don't say I'm better than you because I haven't seen it. But I know this, part of the plot line of that television show is nudity and sexual violence against women. Why do Christians need to see stuff like that? Just scrolling through uh, the news on my phone was, was talking about how uh, this one character in this season had a sex scene. And it was a shocking sex scene. And I thought to myself, how can Christians say that this is a redeemable show that Christians should watch? I don't get it. And again, if, if that's your favorite show, I'm not against you. I'm for you. I'm just saying check your heart and be very careful with what you put into it. I'm going to be very, very careful that I don't allow the things of this world and nudity and, and profanity and sexual uh, innuendos. I'm not gonna allow that to influence my heart. Why? Because what comes out of my heart determines the direction of my life. I'm gonna say that again. What comes out of my heart determines the direction of my life. I gotta protect it. I um, made a decision many years ago, probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. If my wife decides she wants to go to Victoria's Secret and buy something, she's welcome to go in there and and she has free reign to spend as much money as she wants to, but I'm not going in there. Hey, I'm a married man. I can go in there with my wife and and look at stuff and stuff like that, but I don't want my mind to go there. I don't want to look around at the other people that are in the store buying stuff and think things in my, my head that I shouldn't think. 
I don't want to look at the posters that are plastered up in a, in a store like that and look and go, oh, wow, I wonder what my wife would look like in something like that. Because I don't trust my heart. You say, well, you, don't, well, you think you're going to have sexual thoughts? I don't know, but I don't want to have those thoughts. I'm going to protect my heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. And you say, oh, you're such a prude. Okay, call it what you want. That's fine. I'm just going to protect my heart. Simple as that. I'm going to be very, very careful with what's allowed in here because it changes the direction of my life. And hey, look, whatever's going on in your life doesn't just affect you, it affects every single person around you. Dads, I want to tell you something here today. One of these days, your kids are going to grow up and they're going to sit around in a circle with people or they're going to be hanging out at work and they're going to tell stories about their dad. Every single one of his guys have done that. Man, my dad, he used to do this. My dad, I can't remember. The one time for me as a kid, I remember seeing my dad sling a weed eater up against the wall, concrete wall, and it just exploded into a million pieces. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was awesome. But I think to myself, one of these days, my kids are going to be my age, and they're going to be telling other coworkers, friends, guys at church about their dad's stories. I want them to be good stories. I never want my kids to have a story that one night they couldn't sleep and they got up to get a drink of water and they came in the living room and dad was looking at pornography. Because I've heard that story before from dozens of guys and girls. I don't want my kids to grow up one day and say, hey, my dad was super secretive about his phone. He had a passcode that he never gave anybody, even mom. And every time it would buzz, he'd go off in his room and then he'd come back later. We don't ever really know what he was doing. I don't want my kids to tell stories like that. So you know what I have to do? I have to protect my heart because other people are counting on me. I don't want my wife to ever wonder where my heart's at. You know what I have to do? I have to protect my heart then. And if I'm watching some TV show and something inappropriate comes on, I'm sitting there staring at the TV with my wife in the room. I've already told her where my heart's at. I have to protect it. And again, you say, oh, such a prude. Christians are such prudes. Hey, I'm just trying to not ruin my life. I'm trying not to be another statistic. I'm not trying to be another knucklehead that's on his third marriage because he couldn't figure life out. I'm just trying to protect my heart. I'm trying to challenge you to protect your heart because out of it are the issues of life. And music is a heart issue. Music always produces a lifestyle. It always does. Music always produces a lifestyle. So I need to be careful. What do I want my lifestyle to be? I'm not saying that all Christians have to dress the same. I think that would be really boring. Uh, you know, I'm thankful that we're not uh, Quakers or something like that where we'll have to wear black suits. And, uh, the really long beard thing would be really cool. Uh, but uh, we had, uh, had a, a young man that I was discipling in when we lived in California. His family were part of a, uh, I want to say it was a Quaker group where they, they all had to drive black cars. Like they, they all had to dress the same in black clothes and they all had to drive black cars. I thought, man, how boring would that be? I'm not saying you have to be conformed to what we think a Christian should look like. Here's what I am telling you though. You must be conformed into the image of Christ. That's the big deal here. Romans chapter 12, verse number one, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The whole goal is that you be conformed to look like Jesus, not look like me. My goal is not that everybody would listen to the music that I listen to or watch the TV shows that I would watch. My goal is that every single one of us in this room together would look at ourselves and say, does this please God? That's it. And if you like a different kind of music that I like and they both please the Lord, hey, double thumbs up for you. I couldn't listen to country music again to save my life. I grew up around that. Man, oh, man. And if, if you like country music that pleases the Lord, which, again, we've just took all of country music and dialed it down to a very, 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 very small percentage of it. And it pleases the Lord, double thumbs up for you. If you listen to music that draws your heart towards the things of God, double thumbs up for you. Hey, when my wife and I go on dates, we don't listen to Christian music. Sometimes we listen to secular music that draws our hearts closer to one another. It talks about our love and the feelings that we have. And these songs that I hear draws my heart closer to my wife. That's a very, very healthy thing. But when I listen to music that draws my heart away from God and to the things of this world, that's a dangerous place to be. 
So I just need to check my heart. I'm going to protect my heart because I become, my life becomes a product of what I put in my heart. Music becomes the meditation of my heart. You ever had a song that you hear and you just absolutely cannot get it out of your brain? It gets stuck on repeat inside your head. Music becomes a meditation of my heart. What's my meditation of my heart going to be this week? I don't know, but I hope it's shot to the Lord, all the earth let us sing. I hope my heart this week is worthy as the Lamb, seated on the throne, crown you now with many crowns. Crown him with many crowns. The Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthems drown all music but its own. That's what I want the meditation of my heart to be this week. Not don't rock the jukebox, you know. I don't want my meditation of my heart this week to be I walk the line, you know. I know some people want to tell me Johnny Cash is a Christian and stuff like that. That's fine. If it honors the Lord, I'm for it. If it doesn't honor the Lord, I'm not for it. Again, what's the meditation of my heart? Is my heart drawn towards the things of God or are they drawn away from the things of God as a result of it? God gives specific guidelines for what should be allowed in our hearts. Again, I'm not giving you a prescription for what you need to listen to. God's word already does that. Again, I'm not getting you to try to listen to music that I like to listen to. It's not the point. Music is subjective. But the music always has a message. Understand that. And God gives us guidelines for what that looks like. Philippians 4.8 gives us guidelines. Hey, for every movie that you watch, every music that you listen to, every TV show that you watch, every person that you're around, God tells you how to do that. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Hey, that guides me. That's a guiding principle as far as what I let in my heart. I've given you 22 principles for godly music. We don't have time to talk through all these this morning. But God's music should sound like praising. It should be different from the music of the world. Again, if we just take secular music and change the words to it, we haven't really accomplished anything. It should be psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We should be singing with grace. It should be a new song, again, different from the world's song. It should facilitate the filling of the God's Holy Spirit. It should instruct me in God's word. It should be de- doctrinally accurate. It should be holy. Again, I, I abhor Christian, so-called Christian music. It's stuff like down with the JC. Hey, Jesus Christ is the name above all names. Don't call him JC. That's not his nickname. Jesus is not your homeboy. He's your Lord and Savior. He's high, holy, lifted up. Don't bring Jesus Christ down to a dude in a hoodie with sunglasses on and two turntables. That's not Jesus Christ of the Bible. So we need to make sure that the music that we listen to has to be doctrinally solid. It has to be holy. It should be spiritual as opposed to fleshly or carnal. It should facilitate God's transforming work and combat the world's conforming work. It should witness others to Christ. It should repel evil spirits and welcome God's spirit. You say, well, that's kind of deep, isn't it? Hey, if you read through 1 Samuel, the verses listed here, Saul had an evil spirit come upon him and David came and played the harp and the evil spirit left. Please understand, music is spiritual. It's not just entertainment. Music is spiritual. It affects our spirit. Next, it should strengthen my life. Does it draw my heart towards the things of God? It should be pleasant. It should be joyful. It should be understandable. It should let God's peace rule in my heart. It should express thanks. It should produce godly emotions. It should produce spiritual fruit in my life. It should help protect my heart. It should worship and extol my God, and it should glorify God in the end. Again, we, the verses are there for you to do your homework on your own if you want to look this up and find out if I'm just telling you what I think. Hey, God wants to be worshipped through music. God wants to be uh, connected to with music. God wants our hearts to be connected with his heart through music. It's God's gift to us. We need to use it well. Three final questions this morning. Does my music lead me to love Jesus more or cause my affections for Christ to diminish? By listening to this, does this help my heart for God grow? Does this draw my heart closer to the things of God? Or does it draw my heart away from the things of God? Does it validate my commitment to Christ? Or does it validate my fleshly carnal feelings? All music that we listen to should draw our hearts towards the heart of God. Does my music lead me to value an eternal perspective? 
or influence me to adopt the mindset of this world. Hey, I couldn't name you a single solitary song on the top 10 right now. Somebody's got some tunes for us this morning. God bless you, brother. Don't, don't look. They're already embarrassed enough. Don't look at them, all right? Just don't look. I'm sure it was godly music, right? I'm certain of it. My heart was, I just heard that. My heart was immediately drawn towards the things of the Lord. Again, don't look. Don't look. Eyes forward, all right? Mind your own business. But does my music cause me to value the eternal things or the temporal things? Is my heart really, my music really giving me a, a, a desire for heaven, a desire to worship God, a desire to gather together with God's people to sing? Or does it cause me to say, ah, oh, this music's boring. I can't wait to listen to my own stuff. Oh, I don't really desire to uh, listen to this because my heart's in a different place. Again, uh, we talked about this last week, but the music at, at Who We Call is intentionally simple. We could have 12 people on the platform singing. We could have, you know, a dozen different instruments up here. We could have uh, a ridiculous light bar up here that lights everything up in a different color. And uh, we could have a, a smoke machine. Evidently, there's a difference between a fog machine and a haze machine. I didn't know that, uh, but uh, I had a friend who told me the difference between a haze machine. And I even read an article one time online that a haze machine invites the presence of the Holy Spirit. What? <laughs> Could you repeat that? Because I don't think I got that. How does the haze machine invite the presence of the Holy Spirit? I don't know, but evidently somebody thinks that it does. Hey, we could do all that if we wanted to, but we're not trying to set up a show here. Worship is not a show. And I don't want people to, be, to come to who we call because they're drawn to the lights. They're drawn to the performance. Uh, they're drawn to the external things. I want people to come to who we call because they feel the presence of God at work here. And when they sing, it's not about the person next to them or the person on the platform. It's about their heart being drawn to the presence of God. Angela and I went to a church uh, one time, and we were uh, on the way into the auditorium, large church, man, huge church on the mainland. And we walk into the, uh, uh, the, the main auditorium, and there's a, a lady there with baskets, and she's little things that are wrapped up. I thought they were mints, and I, I grabbed a handful, and she goes, oh, here, you might need these. And, and I looked at them, and they were earplugs. I thought, well, that's strange. But I thought it was cool because it had the church's logo on the, on the earplugs. I thought, man, this is cool. What a cool souvenir. Like, but then I think to myself, why do you need earplugs for church? That's a crazy thing. The service started, and I realized really quickly why you need earplugs for, for church. I know I look like I'm old. I'm not that old yet, but it, it was really, really loud. And during the, I'm going to use an air quotes here, worship time, it was a massive performance. I mean, like something you'd see at the Blaisdell. I mean, these, these people were a professional act. And after the service was over, man, they were signing people's Bibles and stuff like that. It was a show. I mean, giving autographs after the service. People have their picture taken with it, put it on the, the Internet and stuff. I thought to myself, but the songs that were being sung, I didn't know any of the songs. And it became very clear they didn't want to hear me sing because the volume was cranked so loud that people needed earplugs. I don't, and again, what other churches do, I don't care. I'm just telling you, in my mind, I can't rationalize singing together with the redeemed to be an event where I need earplugs because I don't want to hear you and I don't want you to hear me. I don't think it's the, that's the idea of corporate worship together. And so again, here at Who We Call It, intentionally simple. I want you to get that because I want the music and the thoughts of the song to draw our hearts towards the heart of God. That's the idea behind it. Final thought here this morning, is my music and really my life, is it about pleasing me or is it about pleasing God? Really. I think it comes down to every question that I ask in my life, is this about me or is it about the Lord? Am I doing this because I want to honor God or am I doing this just because it's what I want? And again, I've had Christians try to argue with me about uh, why these type of R-rated movies that they watch are okay for them. Hey, I'm not going to argue with you about it. Is it really honor the Lord or is it just what you want? That's what you have to ask yourself. Because again, if you have a group of unsaved people that do not know Jesus, that watch a film and say, this film is so vile in profanity, sexual innuendos, nudity, and sexual violence, that we're going to give this an R rating. How can a Christian look at that and go, well, it doesn't really affect me. I can watch it. It doesn't have any effect on me. You can't, you can't do it. It just doesn't jive. Because that stuff goes to your heart, 
and your heart leads the rest of your life. So you've got to be very, very careful with this. And I have to ask myself the question, is this about me or is this about the Lord? Does this draw my heart towards eternal things or the things of this world? And here's the thing. At the end of the day, if you say, I don't like the music we sing at Hui Kala, that's okay. We're not singing it for your entertainment. We're singing it for God's worship. If you say, I don't like Christian music, I'm not against you, I'm for you, I'm just telling you to check your heart. And your playlist, your check register, how you spend your time is an indication of where your heart's at. Just do a quick heart checkup and say, is my heart right before the Lord? But really, the whole context of this passage is that you would walk in wisdom. You need to know this world is programmed to draw your heart towards the things of this world. I gotta check that. And I have to walk in wisdom. Verse 15 that we took a look at in this passage says walking circumspectly. The word circumspectly is not a word that we use in our vocabulary today, but it means a 360 degree view of everything that's going on around me. In the military, we call this situational awareness. I know exactly what's taking place and everything that's going on around me. Why? Because I need to be wise. So again, if a Christian say, oh, it doesn't matter what kind of music I listen to, you're not walking circumspectly. It doesn't matter the guys that I hang out with that they're not good Christians or they're not even Christians or that they're cheating on their wives. It doesn't affect me. You're not walking in wisdom. It's not a big deal. You know, everybody's doing it. You're not walking circumspectly in wisdom and that's our goal here. Final thought this morning. Actually, two final thoughts. I'm just going to be honest, okay? As a pastor, I love you. It's my job to guide you and to shepherd you into wisdom. It's not my job to run your life. I can't make any decisions for you. You're a big boy. You're a big girl. You get to make your own choices. It's my job as a pastor to guide you into wisdom. And our wisdom is found from the word of God every single time. Second, most important thing in the entire world, if you're here today and you do not know for sure that you're saved, you do not know for sure that your sins are forgiven. The music that you listen to doesn't amount to a hill of beans until you know for sure that Jesus Christ has died on the cross to pay for your sins and you accept that gift of forgiveness. No man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You must be saved to go to heaven. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, please don't leave here without knowing for sure your sins are forgiven. All the other stuff is just details after that then we can learn to walk in wisdom and what it means to be a good Christian that pleases our Heavenly Father. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, don't leave here today without knowing for sure that you're saved. But for those of us that are children of God, hey, we get to, to serve and worship the Lord this week. Let's do it with wisdom. Let's make the soundtrack of our life a soundtrack that would honor and please the Lord in everything that we do because that's our desire.